Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The readings for this weekend are extraordinarily rich. We hear from Isaiah, Paul, and Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. All three are rich and deep in things of the spiritual life that we don't normally talk about. Go to the first reading from Isaiah. It says, Just as from the heavens the rain and snow come down and do not return from there, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. God's word is efficacious. It affects what it says. Go back to Genesis and the story of creation. How did God create? By his very word. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness, and humanity sprang into being. God's word is the power which he creates. That's why when Jesus says, this is my body and this is my blood, They truly are just that. What God's words said is, and it affects something. Isaiah continues. He says, My word shall not return to me void, but shall do my will, achieving the end for which I sent it. And so it begs the question, what does God's word affect? Well, life, life itself. The word of God is like a seed that is full of life. Why does God create? Is it out of need? No. God doesn't need the world in any sense of the word. So it's not out of necessity that God creates. Rather, God creates this entire universe simply because he loves us. God's love is freely given away to us. You know, it's kind of like when we're in a good mood. You tend to bubble over, right? And you want to share that good mood with other people. So you want to connect with other people. You want to be around them. Just the opposite holds true. When we're in a bad mood, we don't want anyone around us. In fact, all we want to do is cave in on ourselves. Well, God is always bubbling over with life. And God is life itself. Therefore, whatever God says or does adds to the life that we have in this universe and in our world and in our life. Look around this world and all of creation. You see many different species of animals and birds. You look out over the ocean and it's teeming with such different forms of life. You look out into the sky and you see such a complexity of stars and planets. Well, that's all because God is playful. He's creative and over the top. Now go back to that first reading from Isaiah. The image of God is like a gardener. Well, many people garden this time of year, and in gardens, you see a whole variety of different plants. Well, so God's word goes forth and creates a variety of life. Now, this is a great segue into the gospel. We hear that parable of the sower and the seed. It begins and says, A sower went out to sow, 
As he sowed, some seed fell on a path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, where it had little soil. It sprang up at once, because the soil was not deep. But when the sun rose, it scorched it, and withered for lack of roots. Some seed fell on thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. But some fell on rich soil, and produced fruit, a hundred, sixty, or thirty-fold. Well, we all know this parable very well. I'm sure many of us heard it many times. Now, it's usually read in terms of moralizing way. That says, well, you know, I shouldn't be that rocky soil or that thorny soil. I should be that good soil. Well, now that's true and valid. But I want us to think about the gospel maybe in a different way. During Jesus' time, seed was like water. Both were very precious given the arid climate that they lived in. Now, Israel was pretty much surrounded by desert. Therefore, water and seed were extremely prized. Now, if you are a farmer in Israel during Jesus' time, how do you sow or plant your seed? You sow or plant that precious seed very carefully. You watch exactly where that seed is planted. You're not going to waste that precious seed. You sow or plant only on good soil, where likely the seed will grow well. Well, look at this farmer. Of course we know it's God. And he sows on all different soil, rocky, thorny, on path, and also on good soil. Now, any self-respecting farmer, during Jesus' time, upon hearing the story, he would say, this farmer is hopeless. And yet remember, God is love. Later on in Matthew's gospel, God is compared to the sun, who shines on good as well as the bad. God simply shares his life, always and with everyone, making no exceptions and having no conditions whatsoever. So, does God stop loving those who have turned away from him? No. Does God stop loving us because we are sinners? Absolutely not. In other words, God sows or he plants his love everywhere and in everyone, creatively, over the top. That's how God sows or plants his love in us. And herein lies the good news of the gospel. If you are the least bit receptive to God's love and his word, your life will grow 30 to 60 to 100 fold. Now, does God look at the thorny ground and say, you know, I'm not going to plant or sow there? Does God look at the path where people walk and say, you know, I'm not going to sow or plant my seed there? No, not at all. The same thing holds true with us. God doesn't look at a person and says, you know, I don't really like that person. I'm not going to love them. Or, you know, this person has made me angry. I'm not going to love them. No. No, God simply creates with exuberant life. And he wants to share his love with everyone. Now, again, if we are the least bit receptive to God's love and his word, our faith will grow and grow and grow. Now, you say to yourself, okay, I see that. I understand it. God's creativity. Okay, I get it. But what about all the darkness in this world? What about all the suffering? Why is this world such a dark place? Well, I think we can turn to the second reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. Paul helps us maybe understand suffering in this world. 
Paul writes, I consider the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us. We know that all of creation is groaning in labor pains, even until now. Well, here Paul acknowledges, of course, there's suffering in this world. We would be blind not to notice it. And of course, there's darkness in this world. Now more than ever, as we live in the midst of this pandemic and our lives are completely turned upside down. Every day, we can watch the news, whether it's in the morning, noon, or night, and we see darkness and suffering in this world. And so the question is not necessarily whether there is suffering, but maybe the real question is, how do we understand suffering? Now notice what Paul says, I consider the sufferings of the present time. Now that means his present time, but also our present time, and any time until the end of the world, there will be suffering. But Paul considers it as nothing compared to the glory of God revealed in us. Well, in this second reading from Paul, Paul is looking out into the world, and he sees the world like a woman in labor, experiencing the pains of labor before she gives birth, before she gives life. And after she gives life to her child, the pains of the labor subside and go away. Well, Paul sees this world in pain but not a meaningless suffering, nor just crying out in despair. Instead, in that pain, it's an act of giving life. Whether it's the mother, you know, experiencing the pains of labor and then giving birth to her child, or an artist struggling to produce or give birth to a beautiful artwork, or maybe it's a writer struggling to write or give birth to an inspirational novel. We have to say to ourselves, can we think of any act of creativity that doesn't involve some sort of pain and suffering? And I think therein lies the key. Somehow, life comes forth precisely in this painful process. Now, think of the whole world. In its suffering, it also speaks to life. Again, go back to that first reading from Isaiah, the image of the seed and the sowing. Now, any gardener will tell you growth involves pain. Any gardener will tell you pruning and cutting away is necessary to allow greater growth for plants. No garden is free from suffering that makes growth possible. I'll give you another example to help you understand this a little bit better. You look out your window and you see this beautiful, majestic tree out in the distance. It's absolutely exquisite. So you go out of the house and you start walking towards that tree. And the closer you come to it, you notice that it's gnarled in a few places. It's twisted in a few other places. You look closer and certain branches are flourishing with life. Others are dying. You see the tree is also growing in an awkward way as it reacts to the environment that it's living in. But here's the truth. The life and the beauty of that tree are caught up in the pain by which the tree grows. And that's what makes that tree so impressive and so beautiful. Now, apply that to ourselves. The life and the beauty of our lives are caught up in the pain of life by which we grow our life. 
And that's what makes us beautiful in the eyes of God. Friends, these readings for this weekend are very, very powerful. Strongly encourage you, take some time this week. You can't afford not to. Read all three of these readings together. These readings speak to us about the creativity of God, the growth of our faith, and why pain is associated with life and the growth of our life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.